Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. But I say this frequently, but I'm always really excited anytime we press record. But a Miami preview, certainly not uh, reflective of either program being necessarily where they want to be uh, or necessarily maybe where they thought they were going to be coming into the year. But always, uh, always fun to talk about this game in general. And, uh, you know, it certainly... I don't know that it feels like it has a special meaning this year, but it is uh, would be a interesting barometer for a program that hasn't had a whole lot of moments to plant their flag in the ground if they were able to get a victory over uh, over the Hurricanes. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to see what will happen here. Miami comes in at five and four. FSU comes in at three and six. Uh, Miami SP plus rating of 28th this year. FSU 48th. Line on the game. What are we looking at here? It is two and a half most everywhere and over under of 61 uh, painted pretty much across the board. So uh, that tells me that on a neutral field, Vegas sees Miami at about four and a half to five points better, which is an interesting tale because, you know, to hear some people tell it, if she doesn't belong on the same field and to hear other people tell it, uh, Miami isn't any good at all. And uh, Vegas kind of sees it somewhere in the middle. Uh, but ultimately, I want to hear how we see it. Before we get too far into it, we will thank uh, the cool people that are on your hat right there, Tarpon Cellars Winery, uh, great partners of the Nolcast, and a great opportunity for you guys to find any last-minute holiday gifts uh, to Florida State people that have launched uh, really a little tiny world-class boutique uh, wine company. Uh, TarponCellars.com, coupon code NOLCAST, uh, the 2017 and 2018 are some of the better Cabernets out there, ranked anywhere from kind of 91 to 94, if that's your thing. Uh, so give them a look. Coupon code NOLCAST. To your point a second ago about the broad kind of ideas as to what particular parts of a fan base think about this team, it's interesting, bud, because there's almost moments in every Miami game this year where you could be justified thinking whatever you want to about them, that they're one of the more talented teams. Now, I'm not saying they're, you know, a, a top 10 team, but a, a nice team with really nice parts who flash. And then in the same game, 10 minutes later, can convince you that this is a, a team that doesn't believe in its coaching staff, doesn't care to tackle, uh, doesn't care to play responsibilities. It is wild in the sense that when I look at Miami, I see, uh, you know, not just a team that wavers from game to game but a team that really throughout the course of a game will show you kind of every side of itself. Completely agree with you there. They are, uh, they're an inconsistent football team. Um, just from having watched most of their games this year and having watched, obviously, all of FSU's games, uh, Miami's best is definitely better than FSU's best. It's, it's D, like its F game is kind of similar, to be honest, to FSU's worst game. They don't always play their best. They certainly don't always play their worst. They're a better team than FSU is, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily it will come away with the victory on Saturday. Uh, they have won three in a row. And to be honest, they had a really nice comeback attempt to almost have four in a row there in the second half against North Carolina. But I guess I'll start first uh, tonight when uh, when Miami has the ball. Because that's the side of the ball that I'm a little more confident in talking about on both sides right now, which is interesting. Uh, because it's actually, you know, Miami's offense has been pretty damn good this year. And sometimes in ugly ways, but extremely effective against a very difficult schedule. They have my number two strength of schedule to date in the entire country. Uh, And I think that is sort of maybe 
been hidden for some people's expectations. They, they've played Bama, they've played Michigan State, they've played App State, who I think is going to win the Sun Belt. And will pro- I, I think App State's going to beat Louisiana in that rematch in the Sun Belt Championship game. They've played Virginia, North Carolina, NC State, and Pitt and Georgia Tech. Like, that's a really difficult schedule. FSU is the third worst team they will have played this entire year. I mean, Central, Central Connecticut State obviously is one. Uh, Georgia Tech being the second worst team than FSU. That's pretty impressive when, you know, six or nine games are against top 40 teams and the vast majority of them against top 25 type teams, at least according to my power ratings. They came into the season with Derek King, Derek King, Derek King, the quarterback. He didn't look fully healed up from that, that knee injury that he had, and they were not very good with him in there, ultimately. He did not play very well, and then he got knocked out for the year. Uh, if King kept playing for him, I don't think Miami's going to a bowl, dude. I mean, he was playing poorly. Four and a half net yards per attempt, more picks than touchdowns. And they turned to this kid named Tyler Van Dyke. And like, who, is the, who the hell is Tyler Van Dyke? I certainly don't think that Miami thought he was going to be their savior at all. He just, he was the next guy up because King went down for the year and you know, he was not great against Virginia. And then he comes out and since the second half of the Miami, second half of North Carolina game, this kid has just absolutely been nails. Miami is throwing the ball down the football field in an explosive fashion. About as good as any team in my ratings in the last four games, not named Ohio State. So you are facing a passing attack that is coming in here scorching hot. I mean, they torched Georgia Tech. They torched Pitt. Uh, they outgained Georgia Tech, I think, by 225. Three ridiculous fumbles uh, in that game are what kept that thing close, to be totally frank. One of them, which turned into an instant touchdown. Yeah, uh, exactly. We mentioned this. They had a two-point conversion that was returned. I mean, they, it was it was one of the more nutty games that I've seen recently, and uh, a scoreline that was certainly certainly flattering to the team from Atlanta. So he's he's out there throwing lasers, dude. They're not afraid to throw the ball down the field. Miami, uh, so there's a bigger narrative here, right? So Van Dyke is playing extremely well for them. 64% overall. It's better than that in the last couple of games. Obviously, the UVA game when he was first in there was, was kind of kind of up and down. 15 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. He's got an adjusted net yards per attempt of nine. That's that's getting it done. Like that's really, really good. Uh, air yards per pass per attempt at 9.1. So he's throwing the ball down the field. I mean, his average attempt is basically a, fir- a first down in the air. Pretty good results against both man coverage and zone coverage. Teams are not blitzing him a ton. Some blitzing. Minimal effectiveness there so far. The other thing that they've really unlocked, man, is that you've had some of these, some of these veteran receivers, you know, Pope and some of those guys have left the team. And I think they left the team because they, they weren't really happy with the, the balls they were catching, I'm guessing. I mean, I, I haven't seen their exact reasons. But these young guys for them have really stepped up and are balling out. And Miami's guys are are, are talented. We knew they've, they've recruited really well in recent years. Uh, and they finally had some guys that are, are making plays one-on-one on footballs. Uh, so they're attacking really, really well through the air. Pretty efficient passing game. Certainly an explosive passing game over the last four weeks with a new quarterback. And they also have a, not a super consistent running game over the last four weeks, but one that it has been explosive with the emergence of more carries for Jalen Knighton, who was, was he hurt to start the year or suspended? I forgot what it was, but he wasn't playing a whole lot to start the year. 
And then now he's been playing a lot more recently. And he's been the benefactor of an injury slash opportunity as well. Uh, so yeah, no, with the emergence of Knighton, uh, with Rambo, who's a, a really kind of impressive kid, uh, will make some nice flash plays, but also uh, fumbled the ball once against Georgia Tech and almost fumbled again. Uh, so a kid who you might look at with a little bit of ball security uh, at times for a wide receiver has some ball security issues, but yeah, they, they really look at times, they look like a pretty well-oiled machine on offense. It's hard to say with just a, a kid that we're just getting an opinion of in, in the Van Dyke, but it would be somewhat ironic to me if uh, this is the year that Florida state beats Miami with this quarterback that they're so excited about. When you look at some of the quarterbacks that they've, rolled out the last couple of years, what Perry, Malik Rozier, uh, the Williams kid that they beat Florida State with. It's been a whole lot of pedestrian quarterbacks at Miami that have uh, existed during this streak. So uh, good for them to be able to be excited about a kid. Obviously earned a lot of uh, fan points, if that's a phrase that you want to use with some of his comments before the NC State game, uh, and even earned a whole hell of a lot more when he went out there, played really hard, and, and backed it up. So become a little bit of a cult favorite in uh in really the span of a month uh so certainly has emerged on the scene yeah exactly um they're also throwing the ball really well tonight and he's he's been a big time receiving threat against nc state you know i'm not a huge fan of passes to backs everybody's like let's throw the ball to the backs I'm like eh, a lot of times it doesn't work with Jalen Knighton, it does work and this is something we're gonna have to really watch for fsu it's something that, that if i was miami I, I would throw quite a bit against fsu to see what they'll do about it. Uh, Knighton against NC State, six catches on six targets, 83 yards and a touchdown, success rate of 50%. Again, fit, you know, anything over like 40 is pretty solid. 50% success rate on passes to backs. Very, very nice there. Uh, against Pittsburgh, five catches on five targets, success rate of 20%. So not nearly as, uh, as effective there. Uh, Pitt did a nice job shutting him down. Van Dyke went nuts through the air. Uh, 35 passes for 325, <laughs> three touchdowns, two picks, and a 47% success rate uh, again against NC State. Again, four tutties, no picks, 325 on 33 throws, success rate of 50%. So really, like the thing I'm picking up here is is it's more than just the explosiveness. They're also a fairly consistent passing offense. This guy seems to know what he's doing. It's a little bit weird how Miami didn't realize what they had here. But again, this happens all the time. I meant to say this on the last episode when somebody was like, well, look, Tennessee managed to find a great, Josh Heupel managed to find a great, great quarterback in the transfer portal in Hendon Hooker. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Do you know the quarterback that Josh Heupel signed to the transfer portal, guys? His name is Joe Milton. Jeremy Pruitt got Hendon Hooker to come to Tennessee, right? When Heupel got there, he didn't think Hooker was going to be a guy. So he went out and got Joe Milton from, from Michigan, who can't play. And it, even in camp, they couldn't figure out that Hooker w- was the, the better player. When he finally got in the game, he started balling out. I was like, oh, I need to start betting on Tennessee now. Like, I thought they were going to go with Joe Milton. I was very excited about their season win total under you know, th- this year based on the fact that they went out and pursued Joe Milton. I guess it goes to show you that quarterbacks are, by and large, a crapshoot. Past like the Trevor Lawrence stage, it is very much up in the air. Uh, if you if you're going to get a good one or not, it, it it's just tough. All you can do is stack them, hope you develop them, and pray. Uh, but anyway, the, Miami's hit on one here, I think. 
Uh, he's really been really nice. I think he's unlocked Charleston Rambo for them, the Oklahoma receiver uh, who transferred in. And that kid's been absolutely on fire against Georgia Tech. Now, look, I will say this. Georgia Tech is not a good passing defense. Georgia Tech's passing defense, uh, let me pull some of the stuff up here just so I can tell you guys. That's the most recent team he torched. Ingram, I don't know what your boy's doing there in Atlanta, man. I mean, this is, check, I'm going to read these off. The fan base has never been in love with him, and they're certainly not now. It's been an interesting marriage there uh, down on North Avenue. Passing success rate allowed for, for the Yellow Jackets. You want to take a guess? Humor me. 121st. All right. Passing efficiency allowed. 126th. Passing explosiveness allowed. 115th. Passing completion rate allowed. They're allowing 66% completions on the year. That's tough. That is that is tough. Uh, air yards per pass, 10.1. That's also very, very high. Adjusted net yards per attempt by Georgia Tech. 128th in the country. Only two teams worse than the entire FBS. So look, it is fair to say, hey, that he torched Georgia Tech. Yeah, that is true. Georgia Tech's passing defense sucks. It just is unbelievably bad for a, a team in year three there. Uh, and they don't have much of an excuse because like, they weren't running the triple option on defense. Yeah, those stats are all the more impressive when you consider the uh, Clemson game and the very little offensive production that Clemson uh, threw out that afternoon. So, And they played Northern Illinois, who does not throw the ball well. Uh, you know, Duke certainly is not really chucking the ball around super well. Yeah, uh, UVA does throw it around extremely well. Vatek, not really. So, it was just some interesting stuff there. Uh, now, Pitt is a much better defense than FSU is. I will note, though, that Pitt is classic Pitt. They are pretty good at limiting down-to-down plays, and they give up a ton of explosive plays. Now, FSU gives up more, which is concerning. So, they're somewhere between like Pitt and Georgia Tech in, in terms of explosive play allowance. And NC State, we just saw, I think it's a pretty damn good defense. I will note in that game, NC State had two starters go down, and I do think that affected how they played some. I don't know, man. If you're Fuller, I think the strategy, it, it, I'm worried about a couple things if I'm Fuller, right? You're a poor zone team. Miami does RPO quite a bit, so you'd like, you'd like to play them man-to-man anyway, which sounds great. However, Here's some things Miami does really well. They seem to get Knighton on backers very well. That's not a great matchup because like he'll he'll cook Lundy. He'll he'll embarrass Gainer, I think, if they get if they get him soloed up enough times. I, I do think that it's, you know, uh Deloach probably is your best bet, but it's hard to always make sure that Deloach takes Knighton. You know, formationally, I'm sure if you're Miami, you want to try to avoid that. The other thing that bothers me here is the vertical nature of Miami's passing game. And this is something that FSU has not done a good job of in games. And I don't mean like coverage busts because they, to their credit, they have cleaned that up quite a bit, especially after moving Robinson to safety. Um, but they have not done a very good job this year of playing the ball in the air, right? And that is something Miami feels like they have a lot of confidence in doing right now because Van Dyke. He doesn't just throw it up. I mean, he puts the ball in a pretty advantageous spot to give the, to turn a 50-50 ball into more of like a you know, 65-35 type ball for some receivers who are playing very well right now. Those type of things scare me a lot about Miami's passing offense right now. It's, uh, it's going to be an awful lot of fun. I, I share your concern about, uh, about Lundy. I would limit, you know, we talked a lot about 
games where Lundy could feature and games where he would be a little bit of a liability as we went into the season. And, you know, maybe if Miami's personnel had stayed a little bit more like we thought it was coming in the year, even with King, it would have been a problem. But uh, you're right. With what they do with Knighton and how aggressively uh, they try to manipulate some matchups with him, it will be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I will say that Gaynor has probably had two of his better weeks that I've ever seen him have here. So a uh, kid that, you know, maybe we could be optimistic and say is trending a little bit in the right direction, and hopefully he continues uh, to show that this weekend. Uh, before we do kind of what it may look like when Florida State has the ball, Bud, why don't we lean on your experience to tell people what it's like when the ball is in your court and you seek the good guidance of Shannon and Chad. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, the email today says, hashtag beat Miami. Hey, guys, we have another, another closing. Can we get T-shirts sent to David and Julie in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee? I think that is our first Tennessee homeowner. Pretty cool, man. David and Julie, really appreciate y'all and your patronage of our NOLCast sponsors. I did use Legendary Team 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. I used them twice. They were awesome. I talked to those guys all the time. and Just fantastic people to work with and good friends of ours. I think they treat you right. Fair, honest, great rates, knowledge of the market, customer service, truly really everything you want. Nobody's like, yeah, I'm really excited to get a home loan, but if you're going to do it, might as well go, go with some Knowles who really will treat you right. Give them my full endorsement on that. So shout out to David and Julie for another Knoll Loans closing. Do it now. Do it now. Uh, window is closing on some of these more favorable opportunities. That's uh, just a little random commentary for the peanut. Although Zillow just unloaded a whole lot of properties. <laughs> you saw that's that? true. Yeah. That's a good lesson in uh, you can be directionally correct, but yet not profitable. If you want to talk a little econ here, uh, based on their their model. Uh, not that I have a better model, but I, you know, anyway. All right. So how do you play this if you're FSU? Do you say, you, you say hey, corners, go out there, win one-on-one. We're, we're going to try to clog the middle of the field, make, make the throw out, outside the numbers. Do you try to go a little more NC State game plan and basically try to keep everything in front of you, nothing over the top, when in the red zone? Miami this year is an interesting group because they are actually 23rd in the nation in pressure rate allowed. They don't really allow a whole lot of pressures. But when they do allow pressures, they tend to allow sacks. Part of that was certainly King, who was getting sacked like crazy this year. Uh, Van Dyke, not, not so much. I don't know that I would blitz them all that much. Probably, I, I would. I would probably see if I if I can flood the coverage windows with more defenders, and hope my defense gets home with my defensive front. They have played good defensive fronts. I will note they played Alabama. Alabama embarrassed them. They played NC State. NC State we talked about probably a better run stopping front than a pass rushing front overall. You know, uh, they played Pitt. I think Candy was out for that game for Pitt. But that's still a good front. And they've also played, who's the other? I, they, I was looking at it. They've actually played some decent defensive fronts. You know, Michigan State's okay up front. And that was really back when Miami was trying to find its footing. I, like, do you trust your back end enough to send a whole lot of pressure here? I don't know. Maybe you do. Uh, no, I don't. And I think, you know, I really think you got to make this kid earn it. And I, I hate to speak in cliches, but you you don't need to turn around like you did last weekend and, see a 70-yard ball go or a 62-yard ball, whatever that was, where Jones and there's some confusion between a safety and a cornerback or at least a tough place that a cornerback's put in and uh, you're 
turn around and points are scored. Uh, I just wouldn't wouldn't let that uh, ball of momentum get going. And I, I know that's normally not terms that we use on this podcast as far as uh, energy, momentum, things like that. But you don't want Miami to come in here, score twice, and it'd be fourteen to nothing, and you know score on two big chunk plays, and uh, know that. You're not really set up for any kind of major comeback. You let a kid get a ton of confidence. I don't think this is going to be any kind of super hostile atmosphere or anything, uh, but it still will be a little bit of a challenge in a game that naturally has some higher emotions in it than others do. Uh, I think you, again, you kind of offer to, to bend and not break and uh, try to make him, you know, make, make nine to 13 correct decisions in a row and uh, see if they can go about doing that and, kind of try to build from there. You know, tackling is going to be so important in this game. Um, Miami, like they, they run a very, very spready offense, right? And they are super up-tempo. Uh, here's the list of, a te- of the teams that I have ahead of them uh, in my adjusted tempo ratings. Are you ready? Kent State, who's playing tonight. You may have them on your TV behind you. I don't know. Kent State, Mississippi, Tennessee, Duke. Miami is fifth in my, my adjusted tempo ratings. Connolly has them, I think, 11th, and I think ESPN has them like eighth. They run a very fast tempo. Think like what FSU ran when Kendall Bryles was here. Think the old Baylor tempo, that, that type of tempo. They, if they can run 90 plays on you, they will. Uh, they are a little bit tempo dependent, I will say. So if you do get stops on first down, they are not a team, although they are certainly better, uh, much better than they were under King of dropping back and converting on third and long. Mainly because the offensive line is finally decent. You know, it took a long time uh, for like many years for it to be decent, but it's not that bad this year. But if FSU can stop some of these first down runs that Miami goes with, or if it can get some first down and completions, that's easier said than done because they've been passing the ball well. It, I think it's capable of, of getting some stops. If Miami's ahead of the chains, they'll score 50. Right? I mean, like they're, they've been playing really, really well. You've got to get them behind the chains. I think that's your real stop here because without some of the play action RPO stuff, I, this is on Adam Fuller, right? To figure out some answers for, for this team that's been rolling for about a month now with this new quarterback. You got, you got five games of film. Let's, let's see what you can do. Comes a game on uh, really what you could do to a first down and uh, shape the whole possession from there. So uh, interesting. I knew they were fast. I didn't realize they were quite that fast. That uh, can be concerning. I will say, uh, you want to jinx, jinx him? <laughs> Please. Do you know who is the new number one team <laughs> in the nation? In inside the ten turnover rate. This, this is, is amazing. This is uh, that is hilarious. All right. It's like three in a row. Yeah. Zero uh, percent turnover rate inside the ten yard line. Uh, there we go. Just, Just put it out there. To speak about it. Talk about it in pregame to your friends. Uh, maybe even you know let Miami fans know that that's the case. Uh, too funny. Too funny. They're also not a great red zone team. Yeah. So like finishing drives is an area that that they they struggle in a little bit. Like I, I'm not kidding, and you're not kidding when we say like you know preventing the explosive play here has to be the goal, and then hoping you, you can win red zone roulette, I think is a, a real important thing here. If you're giving up bombs like you did NC State, if you're, if you're not even forcing them to get into the red zone, I don't think your chances are very good. You have to, 
You got to see if you can bully these guys in the red zone. And you know what? You may give up scores in the red zone. Like, you're not a great red zone defense, but you know, you've had some nice stops this year there. And I, that's that's what I think I would do. I would probably play a little more bend on break here. You know, obviously, if somebody scores on you, it's not uh, a good deal. But just to <laughs> kind of simplistically repeat what you just said, yeah, this is this cannot be a game where Miami's scoring from the thirty-three or the forty-seven or whatever else. You need to get them in there and uh, you know have, make them make them execute on four or five plays in that condensed part of the field. Any part particularly you feel real good about this matchup as far as when Miami has the ball, obviously. Florida State's strength of defense is and continues to be its defensive line. Uh, like you said, they face some other uh, pretty good units. Yeah, I, I I got a couple spots where I, I think you can probably probably exploit them. Uh, Van Dyke has been a decent runner, but I think part of that is because people were surprised at how good his wheels are. I don't know that he's a tremendous like featured runner. So he's got 141 yards on 23 design carries this year. That's pretty good. It's like 6.1 carry. Some of those were just absolutely wide open. Nobody's paying attention to this guy on, on zone read type stuff, which that'll be a choice if you ask to think about, right? When, when he goes and hands it off or doesn't hand it off on, on some of the zone read looks tonight and they'll have to make that choice. Uh, Miami is so far this year a, a poor uh, short yardage team running the ball. They are 121st in power success rate, right? They are 98th in opportunity rate. They're actually 103rd in stuff rate allowed. So when they sputter, it's usually because somebody whipped them up front, got them behind the chains, and then they weren't able to do anything about it. That has to be your path to success as well if, if you're at a Fuller and the FSU defense. Yeah. Certainly a game that if Florida State wins in in post-game shows, you're talking about, you know, 11-0. I mean, you, you've got to make big plays. Uh, not to have recency bias from the, the Clemson game, but you're going to have to make some type of play where you shake a quarterback. And again, this isn't going to be 74,000 people in Doak or whatever else, but uh, you've got to make a, a play or two where you make a quarterback think about you, you make a quarterback feel you, and maybe you inject some kind of uh, extra light or extra uh, you know voice in a fan base of uh, 52,000 or whatever will actually be in the stands. Uh, come Saturday, certainly more than we're in the stands uh, against NC State. I, w- I would, I would hope it was a tough one. Heard some numbers about that game that are uh, uh, a real toughy when it comes to attendance. So. Yeah, completely agree. All right, uh, where do I go now? You want to go a little, little uh, FSU offense, Miami defense? Yeah, well, Florida State has the ball. I really feel like we need to start this conversation with a with a, a health conversation. I'm not talking about Jordan. I certainly think that Jordan will be out there. What's your opinion about what the starting five will look like on the offensive line, bud? Because I, 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 not to belabor the point, but I'm surprised by how many people when discussing the NC State, Florida State game, don't really <laughs> realize how much of a handicap you're operating if you don't have your two guards in there. There are the two guys who at this point I really think are your two guards. I actually don't know what they're going to roll with, right? I, I, the Gibbons thing has been an inner, like a mystery to me all year. There's been weeks where you and I have thought he wouldn't go, and he managed to go. Last week, obviously, he couldn't go. Love Taylor is really uh, a, a liability in there right now, unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's just very clear that uh, um, he either hasn't recovered fully from that offseason or from the, the, the offseason surgery, or, uh, or maybe he has an additional ailment going on. 
Um, if you have to play Brady Scott, that's concerning. You know, that's that's not uh, uh, that's not a, a player who can who you're probably going to win with on this level. You know, my guess is because it's Miami, some of those guys will try to go. I would think, but I'm not super confident in that man. Like, like I'm, I'm not. Are, are, are you? Um, there's one voice or face if you're watching that uh, is a legitimate gambling expert, and there's one that's not. Uh, I would say that if you're interested in this game, that I think you can get a pretty strong feel for where what direction it's going to go in when you see the offensive line uh, starters announced. And if uh, if you're starting the last two guards that you did last Saturday. I don't see a real clear, legitimate path to victory, to be honest with you. Uh, this is as if you want me to do a three minute podcast on a preview of this game, th- I will talk about this and, and only this. Uh, if, if Gibbons isn't back and hopefully you get baby on as well, then I think you're just looking at an offense that may be able to score 21 points tops. And I don't think that's, uh, there's too many plans. Or uh, <laughs> realistic projections in a game that could see you beat Miami with this offense right now. So I, I agree with that. But if those guys can go, which let's let's preview it as if they can, because otherwise it gets real depressing, right? I personally think you'll get Baby on. Uh, Gibbons is exactly what you just said a second ago. As much of a player in the ten or twelve years that I've had a real finger slash, you know, a thumbprint to the pulse of this program from an injury perspective that I've probably gotten wrong on as far as who I thought was actually going to start and whether you know, a kid actually ended up in a lineup. And a credit to Gibbons for, for uh, you know, being on the right side of that as many times as he has been. All right, so Miami's defense this year is interesting. Uh, Miami's defense has pretty much always been better than its offense under Manny Diaz. For all the flack he gets, he's usually been a pretty good defensive coach. This year, this defense is still better than FSU's defense. It's 43rd. I think FSU's is like 55th. That's a pretty small gap, right? I mean, that's kind of middle of the pack. And once you get like outside of like top 25, top 30, the, the gaps are, are fairly small. So these, these are two you know, similarly good defenses, but they're very different in how they achieve uh, their medi- mediocrity. Miami's defense does a few things that actually makes me think FSU can win this game. They are 130th out of 130 teams in tackling. They don't tackle worth a damn. Their linebackers are 129th in havoc rate. You think FSU's linebackers are bad? They are. You're right. Is Deloach the best linebacker of these two teams combined? Yes. Miami's linebackers are problematic, for sure. I know it's an easy, lazy comment to make, but how in the hell in the universe of college football, is it possible that Miami and Florida State have as bad of a linebacking core as they do? It's it's hard for me to believe. With as many you know, high-quality three- and four-stars, I realize that the cream of the crop in the state of Florida, neither of these schools are signing a whole lot over the last five years. They're normally bound for the upstate of South Carolina or Tuscaloosa or Athens, but um, or I guess now a little bit of College Station as well. But man, you can get three-star, four-star kids that are located within 100 miles of both of these campuses and develop into decent linebackers. I, I, it's just a tangent, not for the Miami preview, but it is baffling to me as to how these two schools have as bad of a linebacking core as they do. 
It it definitely is. Um, I think they've both taken some higher rated kids who have bust or busted or they failed to develop them. Uh, I, I'll say, like, I got plenty of complaints about Chris Marv's recruiting. I think he's done a nice job with Deloach this year. I mean, and we've seen some signs of progress by Lundy. He's just limited. Uh, all right, so let's continue with some things about Miami's defense that if I'm FSU's coaching staff, I'm looking at it and saying, all right, we're not good, but like this could, if things break our way, give us a chance to, to upset the Canes. I already went over. Horrendous tackling team. They do not tackle. They have had a bit of a youth movement on defense. You know, Bolden's gone. A couple of other guys are, are gone. I think their secondary has been much better since they went more, more Kenshins and, uh, and Williams in the back end. Uh, however, I will note this. Miami, 120th in explosive runs allowed. That's like the only thing FSU does well, guys, on offense. I mean, and they do it really well. They're, they're an explosive running team. Miami, this pairs pretty well with poor tackling, right? Like, like if you really tackle poorly, you'll probably give up some explosive runs. And they do. They give up quite a few explosive runs. Uh, again, like I said, 120th there. Run defense overall is not that great. 66th in success rate allowed. They've played a tough schedule, as I've noted. Obviously, I mean, you know, FSU is not Bama. It's not NC State. But FSU, when, it, when it's moderately healthy, and if it's not, screw it. They're going to get blown out. We, this is basically like we talked about earlier this season. You remember the analysis we gave? Watch the warmups. If he's not in there, if he's not in there, they don't have a shot. They don't have the offensive line depth to sustain multiple injuries up front. We saw how this team looks when it gets some guys back. It's not that bad of a team. They've made real improvement this year. Not st- like they didn't get magically deeper over the last three weeks. They got a little bit healthier and they took a step back in health. And if they don't have their guys, it won't matter. You know, there are some ways here that, that you can, you can get Miami. Uh, Miami also likes to play a lot of man coverage, like a whole lot. Uh, they are 18th in man coverage percentage. So most teams don't want to play man coverage against Jordan. We saw the market uptick, uh, who I, I do think Jordan will play this week. Uh, we saw the market uptick in the amount of man coverage played against FSU when uh, when Mackenzie Milton was in there. Because Mackenzie Milton's not not a threat with his legs, and he's not really much of a threat with his arm. But they don't respect FSU's receivers. But when Jordan's in there, they really like they identify him as the most explosive player on the field for you. Correctly, I think. Right? They don't want to play a ton of man coverage against Jordan because it just it, they want more eyeballs on, on the guy who could burn them. Much like FSU, Miami is not a good zone team. They don't play very well as a team in the back end. They do have some coverage busts at times. And I think the more man coverage that they can play, the better for them. But they're going to have a choice to make against Jordan. Do you want to just go ahead and play more man, maybe play a spy? I don't know. The other thing I'll note here is that FSU is not the only team dealing with injuries in this spot. While Miami is getting healthier along the defensive front, I did see Manny Diaz uh, spoke really positively about Jared Harrison Hunt, who's one of their big-time defensive tackles in the middle. So that's not great news, given that you're you're hurt at the guard spot. But uh, if you if you read uh, if you read Chris Stock over to, at uh, Inside the U, or look at his YouTube videos, he was noting that um, Williams, right, James Williams, the stud freshman safety that they have, who I think may eventually grow into the linebacker, but that's another conversation. Basically, wasn't uh, like was in a red non-contact jersey, was going through drills, but kind of only going through the motions. When they would throw the balls to the receivers in the drills, would not actually receive a throw. Like they would just skip him and uh, was pretty clearly favoring that left shoulder. 
Tyreek Stevenson, also in a red non-contact jersey. That's Miami's best corner, the, the Georgia transfer. I, look, it is important to have safeties when you're playing Jordan. And Miami does not have good depth there. As I've noted, Bubba Bolden's are, are already out for the year. They've already had, I think, another kid transfer there in the secondary. There's a path here. Like, you, you picking up what I'm putting down, bad run defense, a run defense that allows explosive runs. If you're healthy enough to give yourself a chance, I do trust this coaching staff to scheme up explosive runs against this Miami defense. Yeah, I mean, this, again, this maybe this is where we should start. This is a place where you can feel fairly confident, again, depending on what your front five looks like. Um, and where if you can create some room for these backs, then, yeah, you can see some, some tackle shed. And this is where, uh, if Florida State wins, this is how they're going to win this game. Uh, with, with creating uh, shot plays, both in explosive run plays and then, you know, working opportunities off of that and trying to trying to find some selected pass plays where you can exploit some some of the adjustments that um, Miami may make in your run game. So uh, you know we talked we've talked at length about the wide receivers. You've got to see a step up there and I, I don't expect much. My expectations are minimal. Uh, but but last Saturday was was one of the worst performances from a unit that I've seen. I mean you just need to be better, uh, and you need to have your your limited. Your pieces are what they are, uh, but you can't go out and get manhandled. Yeah, I'm not expecting any steps up there. I, I just they are who they are. Look, if you get, if if that unit gets beat, I understand. You can't allow yourself to get like blocked back into your unit group and stuff like that. But you might. I mean, like, is there any real reason to think they're going to play better at receiver? Yeah, ideally you shouldn't get like pressed back in the other receiver. That's not that's not the best uh, thing to have happen play. Um, I'm too sarcastic at times. Yeah, that was embarrassing last week. That that was that was very disappointing. So defensively, let, you want to run over some names people should know for Miami. Um, Harvey is is by far their best pass rusher this year. I I think uh, Zach McLeod got dinged up last game, but I, I think I think he'll go. I haven't seen anything new. Uh, on him, uh, but Harvey has been their their best guy. I I think pass rushing. They are a little bit better, I believe, on the interior. Uh, they do get upfield pretty aggressively. Uh, that's a unit that they basically just turn loose and they ask their backers and safeties to clean up for them. Uh, that's really evidenced if you look at some of their numbers here. Their defensive line is actually number three in the country in havoc rate. So that ain't great uh, for you. But their linebackers, when Miami is turning these defensive linemen loose and asking their backers to clean it up, something gets through, the cleanup is not happening often enough. You could argue it's been a little bit better in recent weeks at times. I think that's probably true. But ultimately, uh, this is where I think some of those influence blocks FSU likes to do, some, some of the counters, you know, some of the the you know, more confusing stuff they like to do, creating the extra gap in the run game, making Miami uh, actually fit gaps. It'll be interesting to see if they'll do it because that, that's how you're going to pop these big runs against these guys. And if you do get some even younger safeties in, you know, Avante Williams is a really, really talented safety, right? He was extremely talented in high school. I mean, one of the absolute best safeties in the country. Florida wanted him. Miami wanted him. I wasn't on the, the rankings committee at, at the time, but like, Everybody knew the deal, right? The, the only real questions with him were going to be like, could he, 
who could keep his head screwed on long enough to, be, to become a star uh, coming out of the land. So it looks like he's got some real ability. If Williams can't go or he's not 100%, you'll probably see, probably see Avante there. But is that a guy you can take advantage of? He's in his first year playing for you, possibly. We'll see. Um, who else? I think everybody knows Nessa Silvera by now. That's, that's a name who really crushed you. I think last year, um, Harrison Hunt's pretty solid for them. They took a transfer from, uh, from, uh, from Tennessee uh, named DeAndre Johnson. He's been okay for them. Um, but Harvey's the guy I think you got to watch out for. But in watching them, people do seem to double Harvey quite a bit. So just interesting there. Anyway, uh, I do have some notes here from a friend of mine in the scouting industry. Once Manny took the reins off TBD, they've jumped on folks. They're not super consistent driving the ball, but they're really explosive. Knighton's addition has been huge. I also think the subtraction of Wiggins and Pope has been good for them too. That's what we were talking about with the youth movement at receiver, kind of getting some of those vets that weren't doing their job out of there. I think Kenches is a great compliment to Williams on the back end. Stevenson's a really good player on D. Again, we just went over those two guys. If two of those three guys will play or are not 100%, that could obviously help you. Uh, TBD has the goods, though, pretty fast, too. Rambo has found his stride. The pretty fast thing scares me, right? Like, I don't like that that my buddy thinks that he's pretty quick. Uh, I think they've played a lot harder and more free since UNC. I think Bolden being out has a lot to do with that, too. He wasn't very good this year. Up front, Harvey's been their best guy. So, a little bit of disagreement there, but I mean, I, I do trust the dude. So, oh, one other thing to note, their punter is unreal. You seen this kid? Remember, it's the super tatted guy? Yeah, yeah, it's the Aussie. But uh, you've faced about four really good punters now. Just seems like everybody's got a good punter, but you. And, and of Florida State, of all the problems Florida State has, certainly not their punter. And I'm not taking shots at Alex, but uh, there's just some, some punters out there doing some things. And uh, it's been a while since Florida State's had Somebody who, you know, every once in a while slap a 73-yard punt on you or something like that. So, I will note this. Uh, you think FSU's kind of bad at kickoff returns? Miami is real bad at kickoff returns. They do some just dumb, dumb stuff on kickoff returns. That's what I'm saying, man. This this team is a whole uh, – they'll, they'll give you the whole – they'll all four seasons in, the, in, the, in a half, much less a game, a half. I mean, Miami is – uh, incredible, if nothing else, that they will convince you about three different things as to what they ultimately are in a in a quarter. Let's see. Before we get to predictions, we'll thank our friends at Congruity, as we are uh, fond to do and ever so fortunate to do. Uh, really, kind of a combination of a small business white glove service with a company that has all the resources that are demanded in an industry like this. Whether it be help with payroll, HR, anything else, uh, Congruity is experiencing your business optimized. Incongruity and our friend Matt Lewis, somebody that we certainly think you should spend five or 10 minutes with and see if you could have the type of partnership that we've had with them. Uh, Matt's a great guy, massive Noel fan, and pretty excited about this Miami game as uh, as all of us are. But it can be reached at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. Uh, something else I wanted to note here uh, is... Their field goal kicking this year has been kind of poor. Obviously, they, they had the one they were lining up against UVA and, and the kid doinked it. He had another miss, I think it was against what, NC State. Um, you know, just that's another point I, I want to make here. 
we've not seen this guy make big time field goals over and over and over again. His brother did, obviously, but you know, this is a, this is a little brother. We'll, we'll see it, but she's very familiar with having the older brother be, be nails and the younger brother not not be quite as nails. That's another point I want to make about making sure that you don't give up as many explosive scores because if you get them down there in the red zone, we'll see. And Manny's a pretty smart coach as far as like not giving away possessions. They don't do a lot. Like they're not going to give you, for the most part, you know, dumb punts, like dumb field goals. They're they're generally going to try to keep the football and possess it. Like that, he understands what he's doing there. That that that's one way they exceed their win probability at times, much like Mike does, right? Um, he just has a little bit better team. So when it doesn't go right, it doesn't, you know, always end up like resulting in a bigger blowout. Uh, what do we got here? 45 minutes in. You want to go predictions? Then we'll hit some questions. Yeah, let's do predictions. Uh, I think it's probably my turn to go first here. I will say that, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm letting a little, little childhood dreams of, uh, of Miami games get in my way, but I will say that Florida state wins 31 to 28 here. Ooh, okay. I am going to go Miami 35, FSU 30. I don't like that the one thing Miami's doing really, really well right now, which is throwing the ball vertically, is something that FSU has not done well and cannot replicate in practice in any way, right? Like, there's a reason FSU's pass defense looks pretty good in practice and then in real games, it's just not. I, I, I don't think they get good looks from this in practice. So, uh, you ha- yours is in under slightly, but you wouldn't play that. Obviously, you, you'd bet FSU if you pick them to win because they're, I mean, slightly. I have the over in Miami. All right, man. Hope those offensive linemen get in there. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Austin leads us off with our questions here. Austin says, this week will be a big test on the linebackers. Yes, it will, Austin. With the RPO game Miami runs, how would you evaluate the play of the linebackers as of late? I was expecting this to be much worse than the secondary, but it's starting to feel the opposite. Yeah, Austin, like I said, uh, I do feel like Gainers had two really good games. Deloach has made consistent improvement. Lundy, good player, uh, tough position that he's put in at times, but has not been uh, the massive liability that I thought he would be. Um, I don't think the linebackers are great. I think they still make some pretty silly mistakes in in uh, how they respond to some play-action type situations. Uh, but on the whole, I feel like that unit has gotten slightly better over the course of the year. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, the linebackers are... I don't think they're underachieving that much, right? Like you'd like to see him get more out of Gainer. I think the Loach is making real progress. You, you wish they could get a little more or, or anything really out of Dix. I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for some of like the older names that just aren't playing. Those are guys that I think if you want to just be ruthless about it, you, you kind of need to run off to, to create more room in the class and, and in the coming classes. That's probably not very nice to say, but I was actually talking to a personnel guy today for a story I'm working on. And he's like, yeah, we basically have to make life hell for our kids, right? Not, this is not an issue guy, by the way. Like we need to make our life hell for some of these bench warmers who are planning on sticking around for like a lot more years that are just never going to play. Yeah. That COVID year is going to make that type of conversation all the more, uh, important and frequent, uh, but What's that phrase? Uh, you, you ain't got to go home, but you had to get the hell up out of here. <laughs> time time to turn off the lights. Uh, Michael says this year has been the most wide open across the country as far as different teams having a legitimate chance to make the playoffs that I can remember in quite some time. 
Is it purely coincidence that this has happened the year immediately following the pandemic, or was everybody else's development stunted by COVID in such a way that it leveled the playing field and perhaps shrunk the talent gap between different programs? That's a good question. Um, so I wonder if we're just kind of prisoners of the moment here. Uh, it does feel somewhat wide open, but how many teams do you really think can win the national title? Four? Three. Okay. So Georgia, Bama, if they somehow get their stuff together and click. Mm-hmm. Are you an Ohio State or Oklahoma guy? Ohio State. I would be an Oklahoma guy too, just because like I know that when they struggled in Oklahoma or in October, four of their top five guys in the secondary were out. And so I do think if they get those guys back and they put Caleb Williams in there and he's a you know pretty explosive stud freshman, I, I can't totally count them out. I think that's a fairly ish normal number. What what we don't have this year is at least for my numbers and for most of the other guys who do power ratings, we don't have a super team on the like to the magnitude that we had 2020 Bama or 2019 LSU. Teams where... You have a super unit. You have a, a Georgia defense, that, but you don't... You're playing a former walk-on at quarterback. Yeah, and you cannot have a super team in modern college football without a super QB. I really don't think. You know, I was talking to Colin, you know, Colin Wilson over at the Action Network. And we were joking. It's like, dude, that year I adjusted LSU's power rating up 20 points. And I still was getting beat betting against them. This is crazy. Like, how do you... We just haven't seen a team that's that good. And, I mean, you know, that LSU team was probably the best team in my lifetime uh, as far as, like, total power rating. And then Alabama comes around. And I don't really want to give that that award to Alabama for last year because it was a COVID year and it's very tough to to gauge what they were against some other leagues. But clearly, I mean, that was a pretty damn good football team. To me, like, it's not the top of the sport sucks. We just don't really have super teams this year. We also have a quarterback issue across the sport, which I think is a major, major cause of this. Georgia doesn't really have an electric quarterback, but among the other contenders, Caleb's a true freshman. Bryce is in his first year starting. DJ struggled this year. C.J. Stroud separated his shoulder and also had some inconsistency issues, although his, his overall numbers are really strong. I think that's your other part of it, is you don't have the great quarterbacks because the class of 2019 quarterback recruiting class sucked. We've said this a lot, but it, it, it affects the sport quite a bit, that, you know, three years down the line, when we would expect those guys to be juniors. Also, how nuts is it that Devin Leary, I know I'm really rambling here, did you see he didn't get picked for the Davey O'Brien list? Anthony Brown of Oregon is on that list. What the hell? Like, Devin Leary is dropping back, and we get FSU's defense some hell, but I was like, man, that's just a damn good throw. Like, this guy beat you with some NFL throws. I I was not that pissed off, for the most part, about the defense in that NC State game, you know? Like, they didn't play great, but, like, it wasn't like NC State did things to them. They didn't do it to anybody else. That was a little embarrassing, I thought, for some of the voters. Let's see. Next two questions are both based around the wide receiver unit. It says, uh, Matt asks, are the receivers the worst unit on the team now, talent-wise, execution-wise? It would seem to me they are. Can you blame their awfulness on Dugans? As much as I like Ron, his uh, unit looks like garbage uh, in between the lines at times. Yeah, I agree with that. Just a group Lee's question here. Do you think FSU's receivers can get up and create some explosive plays that will allow the run game to open up? Can Florida State win this game if the receivers cannot. How well uh, will the Florida State's, well, 
we'll uh, we'll come back to that point as it's not really a receiver part of the question. Uh, are they the worst unit on the team right now? Yeah, I mean, it would be hard for me to find a, well, yeah, it would be hard for me to find a worse unit. The answer to his question, can FSU find room for the run game without the receivers opening things up? Yes, it's done so all year. <laughs> like, the receivers have sucked in every game. Yeah, you're, you haven't. You have been able to leverage your wide receivers to get room uh, uh, running the ball, certainly. Yeah. Do I think they look well-coached? No, not really, uh, to be frank here. Do I think they're super talented? Again, also no. Some of your more talented guys had issues and transferred out. You know, DJ, although he's, has, he got hurt at Indiana, right? Um, you know, Harrison at Oregon State, I don't think he's doing very much, right? Is, is he doing anything for them right now? He had a couple flash plays in the first two weeks or so, and then I haven't heard a whole lot more from him. So he has uh, 17 catches for 253 yards. He'd be a, a bell cow around here with those numbers. but Yeah, no, they run the ball a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say that. Um, so it, it would be nice to still have him. But obviously he was – this is what you get when you fire a coach for just two years and you had a culture that was already pretty t- you know, tipsy. Let me see here. I think we already took Lee's question about the uh, – the, the matchup of FSU's secondary against the passing game. We got a soccerist question from Bobby. Bobby says, Ingram, I got a soccerist question for you. High school soccer season just started, and uh, hearing constant fans and players yell at defenders, just kick it out of bounds, got me thinking. Is this the same as just punted on fourth down crowd from far state? Sure, it makes sense in some situations, but not all. As always, love the show and can't wait to be in tally this Saturday. To attempt the Mad So Old Fashioned Challenge. Yeah, Bobby, I appreciate the question and the support of a longtime partner of us and uh, the good people over at Mad So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fairly similar. I mean, as a, as a fan of a team that's in the Scottish League, which is like the most uh, hilariously physical, just kick the hell out of people uh, type league, it is uh, also paired with some fairly elementary thinking when it comes to what to do and some old soccer cliches like, you know, if in doubt, lump it out or boot it out or whatever phrase you want to use there. Uh, as soccer's kind of progressed, it's been a more about defenders that have the ability to control the ball, pass the ball, uh, be the beginning of your attack. And in some way, uh, that idea of possession building out of the back is somewhat similar uh, to people who may want to be a little bit more aggressive and fork down decision-making based off uh, keeping the ball. But uh, always appreciate the question and appreciate the support of a partner of ours. Matthew says, the development deficit Florida State faced due to the coaching change has obviously been evident when you look at the team as a whole. Which players have been the most affected, a.k.a. developed the least since they arrived? (laughs) Which have beaten the odds and developed the most or perhaps exceeded their expectations? I mean, I, I would say guys, probably like a baby on, right? Who have had four different offensive line coaches in, in five years. The, the dudes who have just had no consistency of coach from year to year are probably the ones who have been affected the, the most, I would think. Uh, some of your more veteran linebackers, I mean, like things like, 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 a, like Warner or Rice, both have, have struggled with injuries, but also like where's the consistency been for those, those type of guys? That's one reason why I think, again, whether or not you think firing Willie was the right decision, I don't think you should compound that by, by up, uprooting the culture yet again, right? Um, guys who have not been affected by it, who would you say has beaten the odds? I mean, this is kind of making our point from the question, but 
guys who have been a defense tackle, guys that have had the same position coach the whole time, guys that have been developed by one of the more proven position coaches in college football over the last 30 years. I mean, that that's kind of the point and the counterpoint that support the same uh, same line of conversation. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys left on the roster who like have had five position coaches. There are some. This is a good one from Tom. We'll be able to provide a quick answer to you, Tom. If you'd only win one of the two out of Miami or Florida, which would you pick? Which would mean more to the forward progress as a team is making? Which would be better for recruiting? Miami, Miami, Miami. Miami, for sure. For me, it's the last home game of the year. You want to leave fans and boosters with a good taste in their mouth before you embark on the road for the final two. If, if for nothing else, then, uh, then that reason. Also, Mullen could screw up and lose at, at South Carolina. Or excuse me, excuse me, I already did. Uh, yeah, at I was going to say, he could right. do that, bud. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah, he could. We were running through on cover three today. We played a game called Bowl or No Bowl. And I was like, you know, honestly, my, my stat numbers say like 90% of bowl for Florida. But if I had to give you, you know, those type of odds, mm-hmm. ain't no way. Like, I'm not betting on that team right now because I think their quit factor could be high. We don't know. It's also hard to tell, like, what was flu and what was quit in South Carolina. Assuming they actually had the flu, which I, I think they probably did. Hey, guys, this may be a dumb question, but how do you determine whether or not a team quits during a game? Are there specific tells that you look for from different position groups? Is it always obvious while watching the game live? Is it easy to determine when watching in the stadium rather than the broadcast? I'm just curious as to keep an eye out during games when teams are on quit alert. Yeah, uh, but I'll certainly be interested in hearing what your response is. I mean, a lot of times the first thing that goes is like, uh, the general group pursuit on defense, like, you know, if a guy's in front of you, you're going to try to make the tackle. That's just uh, instinctual stuff. But if you're, you know, the backside linebacker, do you maybe continue to give effort on a play that nine times out of ten you're not ever ultimately going to be involved in? I mean, you just see some things to where the second or third level defenders aren't there uh, because they aren't providing the effort and maybe the continued buy-in. I agree with that. Um, how you break the huddle is another one, right? Like, are, are, are you coming out of the huddle, Chris, but assuming you're a team that huddles, like, are you getting to the line? It's, it's hard to tell from a box score. You just have to look at the actual energy of the guys who are playing. Like, do they have a bounce in their step? Do they, they feel like they're just going through the motions? Um, you know, do, are, are they excited about running the next play? Like, like can you tell it? Go watch, uh, go watch Boston College whip FSU in 2017, right? Wait, does that, was that 17 up there? The one where it was cold and FSU was, yeah. Like that was a team that played they quit to me. Dan asked basically the same question that we just had. Uh, Dan asked what win would help the program more, Miami or Florida? Uh, see, answer given 90 seconds ago. James says, if Purdy had been listed as the number two quarterback for Florida State, would he still be here? Uh, would we have been better off putting him there instead of Milton? The ascension of the quarterback Van Dyke after Garcia uh, was injured makes me wonder. He wasn't able to win out in practice, but um, either he's a gamer or it looks like his thing got cut off, but either he's a gamer or or probably a better end product than uh, what was otherwise offered. Uh, If you mean number two is in the fact that Travis is your number one, but Travis is hurt, yeah, perhaps. I mean, there's kind of different stories depending on who you ask as to whether this decision was made immediately after the Clemson game or whether it was made the beginning of the week from Purdy and his family slash camp. 
it doesn't really matter. You know, ultimately the kid decided to leave. I don't, I'm not sure if it's because he came to a practice and decided to do it or if uh, his decision was made more or less as the team left Clemson. Yeah, I, I think it actually could have helped. But um, look, you can put your name in the transfer portal. You, you could always pull it back out. Uh, when he was in the portal, as of what, Tuesday? I mean, if he realized everybody on the team had the flu and he had a real chance to start, he, he could have pulled it back out. I think he got, I think he realized, and eh, I'm probably not going to start, right? It's probably going to be Milton. Um, they just missed on him, right? He was not a good player for them. He also was constantly hurt and the injury he had didn't heal up right. And so we had to like go back. And then, he, you know, he was doing his thing in, in Arizona uh, and away from the team. Did it really feel like he was part of the team? Eh. At times, sure. At times, certainly not. Um, you miss sometimes, right? And they they missed on him. That's the quarterback that they wanted in, in that first class. Not really surprising. Um, ultimately, they're going to miss on the vast majority of that kids in that first class. I don't know. Do we, do we need to run all these dudes down again? I mean, I'm trying to look here. But like, if you want to go through it, tell me which of these kids you feel like are contributing or going to be really good players. This is class of 2020, right? Norvell's first class, the one you only have a couple weeks to put together. All right. Damari Tate, MIA. Ryan Robinson, already gone. Trevor Purdy, gone. Jerry Scream McKnight, you expecting anything? I'm not. Uh, Lawrence O'Philly, third string back. He did do an explosive thing against Clemson. We'll see. Steven Dix Jr., can't get on the field. Kai Douglas, bit player at best. Corey Wren, has had concussions, but you know, always kind of a fringe, speed-only guy. Uh, Kentron Poitier is a, a you know, guy who took a flyer on his project, and uh, so far, he's a zero. Gian McCluster can't play here, I don't think. Robert Scott, solid offensive lineman. We'll see if he can take a jump as a junior. Sidney Williams, they like him at safety. Josh Griffiths, we're very lucky to cut him off the roster when they did, uh, given what he did about two weeks later, or excuse me, given what he made the news for about two weeks uh, later. Thomas Schrader's been hurt. Um, I know you saw him without pads on at the Louisville game, and uh, we're not super impressed by how he's built. So not I, I know you're not. I'm not either convinced he's going to be an instant impact guy next year when he comes back. Take Rodemaker, quarterback, no signs he's going to be a player here. Darian Williamson, receiver, again, no signs he's going to do a damn thing here. Zane Herring, no signs that he's going to play here. But Damian Webb's already off the roster. Carter Boatwright, not an FSU quality player. DJ Lundy, he's starting, so I can't say he's not an FSU quality player, but He's very limited. Lloyd Willis, long-term, I think he could end up being a player for you. We'll see. Jay Davis, they need him to do something long-term at a kind of D-tackle, you know, jumbo end role. We'll see. Marcus and Douglas, uh, again, not expecting a damn thing. Mastromano, your punter. Uh, Emmanuel Rogers didn't qualify. Whew. Yeah, that was a tough, uh, a 2020 class tough thing to listen to. It's be- You don't have time to put it together. And then... Nor- Mike's next class, next class was a COVID class. He didn't get to meet hardly any of these dudes in person. That's why I'm saying it's a long-term rebuild. I don't think they're going to be very much better next year, guys. I think this is more of a, more of a you know, 23, 24, 25 look, if you're asking me, like, when are they finally, like, decent again? Somewhere in that range. Josh, as you both made it clear that the offense Florida State is running is not what Norvell is looking to run the long-term. Do you think if Florida State ever gets average offensive line play and above-average wide receiver play, that Jordan Travis is capable of running the traditional Norville offense, or assuming A.J. Duffy sticks with his Florida State commitment, do you think it's more likely we see Duffy start as a true freshman in 22 
regardless of the offensive line and wide receiver play. I definitely would not start Duffy with who I project him to have at receiver and offensive line next year. Not in 22. Now, maybe he just is a phenom or something like that above what I expect him to be. I think Travis is your guy next year unless you get very lucky in the portal. Um, what the hypotheticals asks is interesting on uh, on Travis. If you did get above, above average receiver play, which again, I have no reason to think they're going to have above average receiver play next year at all. It would be a miracle for God. If they could get like slightly below average play next year at receiver, I think Norvell would do backflips in this press conference. Uh, so would Kenny. Offensive line, I think, should probably continue to improve. Uh, I'm not really worried about losing baby, or excuse me, Devontae uh, Taylor. I think that they will probably go portal again for one more body there. Can Jordan operate the traditional passing offense? I doubt it, but I, would, I don't think you'd run it. Why would, why would you run the traditional passing offense that Norvell wants to run if you had a player with Jordan's legs? I think the better question is like, if he had a little better pieces around him, how much could they actually expand it? And I think maybe there is actually the answer is a decent bit. Yeah, I've said for a long time, I don't think Duffy's a starter next year. I don't think it's something you want to do to that kid, nor is he necessarily capable of it. And that's not a knock on him. Clayton has one or two more questions here as we sign off. Uh, he says, if Florida State moves on from Fuller, how does the FSU job compare uh, to UF when looking at the defense coordinator? How do their respective pool of candidates compare? Which school can land the better of the candidates? Well, uh, I think people like working for Mike. Uh, UF has better defensive talent. I think that people are probably, gonna, like if I'm a candidate, I'm perceiving Mullen is on a bigger hot seat. Florida probably pays better. Florida also faces arguably tougher competition. FSU schedules like like jackasses in the non-conference, so you got to play like LSU and, and Florida in the non-conference. If you're a candidate, you have to uh, confront the risk that these are very short stints for you. Where do you think the chances are, are that, that you're there for a long-term or better at? Probably FSU, I would think. And by long-term, I mean like more than one year. You certainly have a head coach who has a little bit longer of a leash at Florida State than, than that in Gainesville. Does moving on from Fuller impact any recruits if Florida State were to move on from Fuller? Would it impact any recruits like Hunter? Uh, certainly not. Uh, Woodson. Woodson's your, 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 your plug there. There'll be a day where I sit down and have a couple glasses of scotch and talk more about this. And, and I'm not talking, I'm not alleging anything. Woodson has, has built a relationship over time with Hunter and his family that is really to be admired and as a credit to him professionally. He's, he's done a really spectacular job there. Um, so is Mullen essentially a lame duck scenario? Does Mullen staying put in Gainesville another season, help Florida state on the recruiting trail? Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, you end with some semblance of momentum here and you're recruiting at least in state against two guys that don't have, you know, necessarily the buy-in or support that you do. Uh, although, you know, obviously in a year in which you lost to Jacksonville State, it's not as though you're going to have uh, the full wind in your sails, uh, if you want to use a phrase like that uh, as far as Mike. But if you have a little bit of momentum, you sign kids like we were just talking about, um, there could be a, a situation where you could put together a class next year in state of the kids that don't go to 
Bama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M, et cetera, uh, that you could build a pretty special in-state class. So, like, to me, there's no, uh, there's not a guaranteed lame duck as long as you have AR-15 on that roster. I've seen what Mullen can do with quarterbacks. It'd be foolish to just completely dismiss his long-term potential there. That seems to be a healthy relationship right now, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, he did hurt himself dancing, too, in the lobby of the hotel. (laughs) And then he posted that GIF. I said, I, I'm, "This is not a podcast to talk about kids' social media use." But uh, that was that made me laugh. Made what, me what, laugh. Did, what did he post? He just posted a, a GIF of this guy doing like ridiculous dancing and uh, you know moves that look like you would tear your ACL doing. But uh, and then was, he got hurt dancing. Well, I think himself? he was laughing at his coach's sentiment that he got hurt dancing in the hotel on Friday night. I think he was. Oh, are we saying that's not true? Uh, I think he was. I think that was a shot back towards the head coach, at least as I interpret. Oh, okay. It. Or maybe he was just declaring his love for dancing that could potentially result in an injury. Who knows? But uh, so, all right, man. I really am excited about this game. I'll tell you, I'll be doing the instant if things go well. It'll be a hell of a lot of fun. I'll put it at that. Uh, Your first chance at a Winston this year. A Winston, and it'll be a loosey goosey Winston. Uh, Let's go to, to steal Let's a phrase go. from a friend of ours. So. Uh, be a lot of fun. Look forward to it. I don't want to jump back to the preview part of it, but please don't give them the easy stuff for as explosive as they can be in the past game. They have really struggled with short yardage running. Put them into those situations. Try to get a win. Would be a hell of a coup in a year in which you haven't had many. Uh, 3.30 Saturday afternoon. Can't wait for it. We'll be back with you with an instant reaction on Saturday and a full review on uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.